At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Chris. And today on the show, we have Polly Chandler. Hey, Hi, guys. Polly. Thanks so much Hi, for Polly. having me. Yeah, I'm honored. I'm, a, I'm flattered. Yay, thanks for joining us. So before we get into everything, do you mind giving our listeners who may not know you kind of a background on yourself and how you got started in photography? Yeah, yeah. And if I'm rambling on too long, tell me to wrap it up. But um, (laughs) well, initially, I guess I got into photography later towards the end of my uh, undergraduate degree. So I was majoring in uh, graphic design in the 90s. So no computers. So it's all analog Mm. and general studio fine art. And um, so I was really into like silk screening and etching and I took fibers and all sorts of cool things, metals. And so my last semester, they had photography for design majors. And I kept putting it off for some reason, putting it off, putting it off. And so I took (laughs) um, a night class and I thought, oh, crap, I love this. But Uh I was graduating. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, after that, I moved up to St. Louis, Missouri for a couple years and and worked at uh, Wild Oats Market in the marketing and graphic design, uh, like locally in there in that department. But I kept like I paid like a um, fee so that I could use uh, a local darkroom. So I kept fiddling with processing my own film and that kind of thing. But I wasn't in a formal setting. So then uh, after a, a couple years of living in St. Louis where I got robbed left and right, my car got stolen a lot. I was in oh, my no. early oh, my 20s. Goodness. Yeah. Jeez. I did, I st- sort of had an early life crisis. Like I, I tend to have a life crisis every 10 years, but I, I run on the emotional <laughs> <we> side. <laughs> so uh, I moved back to home, which was Southern Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois for me. Uh, my alma mater is uh, Southern Illinois University. And I went back and I thought, well, I want to go to graduate school. And I think I want to do it for printmaking. So um, honestly, this is really weird, but they let me sign up for a photo. It was, um, it was non-declared graduate student. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll do this and I'll see if, you know, printmaking is really what I want to do and go to graduate school. What am I doing? You know, I just knew that after I graduated with a graphic design degree and then I had a taste of the real world, you know, I think a lot of people go through that. It wasn't what I had mm. hoped for um, creatively. I was bored. 
I think I picked graphic design, honestly, because I thought you could make money at it and sure. was sort of an, you know, naive about it at that time, because at, I didn't realize that you run the chance of either, you know, not really loving that art that you picked that, that yeah. genre or whatever, that creative outlet, and you're doing it for money, which has never worked for me. Or and then later I learned there's that chance that you could take what you love, what is your greatest passion in life and kill it by monetizing it. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So, but at that time, so I was kind of starting to figure all that out. Came back to Carbondale, um, took some, a lot of printmaking classes with other graduate students. And then I took a, like the basic beginning black and white film class for if you were a photo major, an undergraduate photo major. Oh, I could not stay out of the dark room. And I was <laughs> I know that alone. feeling. And I worked yeah. so hard in the dark room. Um, I think, I mean, I just was there. It was like, you couldn't, you couldn't keep me away. I was addicted right. full on. And that's sort of when I realized, oh, this is like a natural good for you high and it's legal, you know? <laughs> yeah, <Again>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember taking my fo my printed uh, images to my printmaking class because technically it was a print, you know? And then yeah. the, the guy that ran the graduate program there, and he really did help me sort of change the course of things for me. He said, Polly, I really think that you just need to go and explore the photo department and take classes over there. See if that's something that you want to, because you mm. keep bringing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to necessarily dissuade me from printmaking. I think he was just seeing the passion and, you know, he had his, uh, he had the other students critique and stuff. But anyway, so I took, so I went over and for a year, I took a year and I basically worked really hard. I got a job at a local photo store because I was uh, by word of mouth, because I was always in the dark room. The girl that worked there was like, Hey, you know, this girl's always in there. I think she'd be a good employee. So it was almost like <laughs> oh, the universe nice. was up. like opening all of these like, hey, yeah. photos uh -huh. for you. And I have to admit that was probably the best time of my life. But so I worked my butt off for a year proving to the department basically that even though I didn't have a undergraduate degree in photography at all, like I was starting from scratch, that I would be a, a good grad student and I got in. So that oh, was, no yeah, nice. that's awesome. yeah, I'm really proud of that, actually. And then I guess the rest is sort of history. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I couldn't get enough of it. And I worked really hard. So, yeah. Is that what you asked me? I don't even. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have you always been like a large format or how did that come into your life? Well, I think, uh, no, um, I think people that have. As particular if they, I think it, well, I guess I should just speak from film because that's when I was in uh, 2001, 2000, 2001 is when I started to prove myself, like to learn photography. So started with 35 mm. millimeter, black and white, developing my own film, printing my own work. And so I, I think people, I, I don't, I can't really speak to if digital would have done the same thing for me because I didn't start with it. Yeah. And I'm sure mm. we'll get into this later. I don't know that I would have even gone into photography if it had all been digital at that time film was film yeah. the dark room the level of difficulty um in when you move up from format so 35 millimeter at the time black and white was all i could handle starting out and i think you know it was a great way to start in photography but it is a little bit like i might ref like i might refer to photography as an addiction for me because i think anybody that gets into photography and loves the process of film and and printing and all that you move up because you want to challenge yourself so right like medium format was the next step in challenging my skill set and then from there i i really thought my graduate thesis would be in 
I was really into cross-processing, so I thought it would be color, and I cross-processed chrome to C41. So you get those mm-hmm. weird negatives with that vibrant color. I don't know yeah, if you guys yeah. have ever cross-processed. But it oh, yeah, also could sure. be cheesy. You know, anyway, I was really into that. And then, so I took a lot of undergraduate classes while I took graduate classes. And so it was a nice mix because they put the grad students in when the undergrad. And I think particularly for me, it was all like, I was just absorbing it like a sponge. And it was good to be in with people that knew they didn't know a lot. And then some of the grad students were a little, I don't know, like, um, (laughs) felt like they already knew everything. And and I'm not speaking Mm -hmm. for all of them, of course, but it was great to be in with a class where people were as excited as I am. I was, you know, and so I ended up taking um, a class by my one of my favorite teachers, Dan Overturf, called Narrative Tableau. At the same time that I took um, the beginning large format four by five class, and the two of those things uh, melded together. I mean, I just I couldn't get enough of either. Narrative Tableau class was about how to tell stories in one frame. Wow, and, that's so cool. Right, wow. so cool. Like I remember. Remember Dan had us the first week we were in class. I think he so he said, "I want you to go." And we're shooting film, and I think I had a rolly. I think that's what I was shooting with. Yeah, my rolly. And um, he's like, "I want you to go out and shoot a location, and in that location, without any prop or any figure, try to tell a story with the lighting, the mood, everything that you, the creative choices, and just a like a non-manipulated frame, I guess. Um, and my manipulated, I only mean like if you're if you're using photography like I do, I think almost like a set where I mm. construct it okay. all from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean like that. I don't mean digitally manipulated, but um, so we would critique him. You'd photograph it, develop, print, and it's a lot of work. And one week, and then we came back, and he's like, "Great, you know, he's critiquing." And he's like, "Okay, I want you to take this frame and now add an object." to, to, you know, take the story to the next level, no figure. Mm. And then we did the same thing the week after that, add figure prop location. And for me, I mean, I think if you look at my work, you can see that's really all I work with, a figure prop and location. When you said that, I was like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) And then he would show us films. And that was really, really great for like my, my mind at that time. Because cinema absolutely is the sister or brother to still photography. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more people working on it. But you know, I'm sure that if you guys, you guys love photography like I do, when you see a movie that you go, you could pause it and you go, oh my God, look at that cinematography, look at that yeah. set design. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then, so I would try to challenge, he showed us films and stuff and then I would try to challenge myself to, to be able to tell one narrative, I mean, a, a, a full narrative with one single film, fa- frame of film, which is hard. And then to know if you've overworked it or you know, like packed too much in or how to edit out through the, like how you're setting Mm. up the camera and seeing in black and white after a while and seeing, oh, that would look really, really great on film. It looks ordinary right now, but that's the exciting part, right? Oh, yeah. And then it moved on to me for like really the way I could express my inner life or my inner experiences. That's where I've gotten like the emotional narrative thing that I say it is. Cause I don't know what else to call it. That makes so much sense. Yeah, now, I know. Like, Same <laughs> that makes of so course. much sense. Does it? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Like just looking at your work, just with the single image thing, like you said, telling a story with one image. I, I mean, I find your work absolutely breathtaking. Me like, too. It is Thank just you so much. Amazing. Yeah. And you. and that makes so much sense that that's how you learned how to do it. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah of course you're going to be producing stuff. And like I also that. think you can see like how much graphic design influences my yeah my yeah. Com- 
composition because everything you see if it's if it's on film i did it all in camera like i'm sort of a purist wow. yeah the only thing i'll do in photoshop is dodge and burn like mm-hmm. if there's a piece yeah. of trash in it in the frame i then it's in then it's permanently in the frame so i mean yeah so i taught photography for a long time too it would drive me nuts oh. when yeah i taught at the art institute for great. i don't know eight ten years wow and um that's awesome yeah i would be like if there's a piece of trash in your frame or something you don't want get your butt up and move it don't right don't, <laughs> you know. sure. so um yeah i guess i learned with you know a couple of good old boys in southern illinois who didn't understand where i was coming from in terms of how dark my work can be because i hear it's creepy a lot which kind of drives me nuts because um i don't feel like it's creepy i think it's right. dealing with some dark issues but Mm. I think culture. Uh, see, if you get me started, I'll go on a no, soapbox. Please, about <laughs> please. <laughs> because I think culturally now we've reached this weird, like, in terms of pop culture, like, I think there's a horror movie coming out called Polaroid or something. And I'm like, well, really? No. Yeah, yeah. Anything retro, you know, like the. Oh, the, yeah. Any film camera is now like sort of this creepy. I don't know why, why horror culture or you know, spooky culture has to adopt anything that's retro. The only thing I can come up with is that because of the history of it, there's history uh, sort of invites a narrative that we project on it. I don't know. But I remember I took a contact sheet of 35 millimeter shots I'd made um, in that very first class I took when I'd come back to Southern Illinois University. And I took it in to show my students who had only ever shot digital. And the first thing they said was creepy. They didn't even see the images. And I said, Mm. why is this, this, you know, literally analog film creepy? And they started to explain like the black and white look and how they don't realize it's a creative choice necessarily. They only see it as retro now, like old. And I'm like, that's interesting because I don't agree, you know. Right, right. Same. same. I had a buddy of mine just recently reach out. This is like an old childhood friend. He reached out and asked me some film related questions. And I was like, oh, cool. He's getting into film. And he, no, he wanted to know if he has a better chance <laughs> picking up ghost images when he goes to these haunted what? places no. with film rather than a digital camera. I was like, I'm not even going to answer that. Like, whatever, dude. You should have grabbed it, opened up the back and shut it and then been yeah, like, yeah, 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 probably. And yep. then just let him think the fogging was ghosts. <laughs> Man, I just didn't think of it that way until you said it. I was just like, wow, that's so silly. I know, I know. And now when people are like, um, add filters that look like light leaks and stuff, I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. we just learn what what it is. And then, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Because when I was learning, like a light leak meant you have to reshoot. It wasn't right. like yeah. a cool your camera. Thing. Yeah, your camera's broken. Yeah, your camera's yeah. broken. Now reshoot. Go back. <laughs> Man. So yeah, I we we have to ask you how. What is your your type fifty five story? How did mm. you get so like drawn to this film? And because that's like yeah, that's that's like your thing. At it least is. that's what I see. I see a lot of that work on your and on I have your Instagram a refrigerator and, full of it. It's just full of type <laughs> fifty five. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Well, okay. So in graduate school, so once I got accepted, I had um, three jobs. And obviously making, like, I think my thesis show had 30, 24 by 30 silver gelatin prints framed and matted and then a thesis paper. And then, you know, I worked at that photography store. I cleaned offices. And then I also was like the, you're going to laugh at this. I was the digital lab tech at SIU Photo Lab. <laughs> um, I sort of let that go. But um, I didn't have, this is going to sound so bad to start out with. I didn't have time to process my sheet film. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I remember being like my the teacher that was 
teaching us a, a four by five, the large format class. I remember he was kind of poo-pooing it. And then of course my committee chair, Dan, who was, who taught the uh, narrative tableau class, he discouraged me from it. But first of all, it allowed me to proof on proof in the field and yeah. keep working. And, and I worked at a photo store, got a discount and it saved me time. So I just didn't listen to anybody. And eventually, I mean, it's 50 ISO. So yeah, eventually yeah. I fell in love with the tonality. And then I got, you know, when you pick one sort of tool in, in a particular medium or a medium within a medium, you really get to know it. And then there was no reason for me to change because I knew what it would do in the cold. I knew what it would do in the heat. It, and I got to like, you know, a lot of people were using the Polaroid, what was it? Um, I'm going to forget now, 54 to proof. And I thought, why not use 55? I'll get a negative if something accidentally works. Yeah. Now, I've gone through a lot of 55 with all my mistakes, but that was before before they went, they discontinued it. Yeah. So I, yeah. because I worked at that photo store and I had all that, and I just started kind of being known for it around um, in the department too. But I remember I was asked to speak at like, I think it was PIEA in Vegas, where they had also the huge um, like trade show with all the film, all the film giants, all the camera giants. And I was walking around and rumors were swirling about digital. And I mean, it's so weird to look back now because I feel real old. But I remember Same. when the <laughs> owner of the store was like, film's going to die. That little photo store, B&L Photo. Oh, and, he's, and I said, no, it's not. And then the, his dad, because it was B&L Photo, it was a father and son that ran it. And it was my favorite job I've ever had just because of the community. All Everyone loved the same thing and then we were yeah. all just weirdos too so but he and his dad said yeah the and i had that like a flip phone, cell phone i think and and he's like the cell phone is gonna kill this whole field and i kept going no i was like in such denial for so long but anyway i was in uh vegas with a bunch of people from that store a bunch of people from siu and Polaroid wasn't there. And that's when I knew it was true. Oh, no. Oh, wow. So I went back and I was debt free at this time. I went back to Illinois and took out a credit card and spent $11,000 on Polaroid. <gasps> Holly. Yeah. So it was $50 a box then. Wow. And I got a discount. So I think I paid 40 or something. So wow. I just bought as much as I could. Yeah. And people were like, well, now you could sell it if you want. Because I think it's like it'll go for 250 a box. And I was like, that's oh, short-sighted yeah. to me. That's short-sighted. Like, yeah. why would I sell that? It, it would be like, I used to tell people it would be like if painters were told, well, we're just going to go digital. We're going yeah. to do, mm -hmm. do away with all of the paint and the canvas. You don't need it anymore. And if a painter, I think, expressed like, well, I love the texture of the brush and I love the feel of the paint. And I'm, you know, and it's part of my process you would get it but a lot of people just didn't seem to get it. and a lot right. of people did get it but the film is my paint yeah yeah and some people still oh, don't wow. get it yeah, yeah i know what you mean and i think they were short-sighted when polaroid like blew up all their la their plants remember all that yeah remember yeah. that yeah and i remember it rippled through the fashion industry that i mean oh yeah that's that's what they use they use polaroid for, right. for so short-sighted kind of yeah and it's crazy to think like all, all the creative people like us like living through it and, and just like such heartbreak you know it is heartbreak just I know. like taking away what you love and like what are you gonna do now you know it's like a little a little bit of a death for me yeah 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 Man, so are you are you still working off that that original load yeah of uh yes yeah well you know it's weird because i think for like for a few years after that you could still get boxes and i would scoop them up when i could and then what i love about like at least i found a lot of uh, in the fine art 
photography community is how um, the camaraderie. So mm-hmm. sometimes people send me a box because they're not going to use it and they know it. That's wonderful. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I've had, you know, people give me their four by five because they're not going to, and they want it to go to somebody that'll appreciate it. And so, right. yeah. So I can't even tell you like, oh, I got real obsessed with 665 for a while too. And so I, I bought up all as much as that as I could. And then when Fuji, <laughs> when, I'm like addicted to it, to instant film. Yeah. And Fuji started to, I know. yeah. I just grabbed up what I could. Yeah. Does, can I ask you, does that change? Your process, knowing yeah. that like now this box is mm, worth two hundred fifty. Well, that's a good bucks, question. Like- yeah, um, I don't allow myself to think of it monetarily, but I do yeah. allow myself to think it. It'll it would it would kill my process. I think if I was right. like, there goes five dollars, you know, right. and throw it away. So I can't think of it like that. But I do have a respect for the the how it, that it's finite, and so yeah. now um, it did change. When I first graduated from graduate school, I photographed with either 665 or 55 every weekend without sketching, without really just being out there for the love of it. Although I think I pushed myself too too far because I started to get burned out. And then now I have, I absolutely sketch and location scout and do all of that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't continue to surprise me. Or if say I get there and I set up and it's not looking mm. through the, the ground glass the way I like it, I'll, I'll, I always try to keep an open mind about shifting the perspective a little bit. But um, I can usually find something unusual or interesting about location. And if it's not the the, like maybe the structure or whatever itself, I could find something like the texture or symmetry somewhere or something. But I think if photography or the process of taking my camera out into the field and if it ever quit surprising me or challenging me, if I knew exactly what I was going to get every time I went, I would get bored and it wouldn't, right. it wouldn't thrill me. Like when I pull the film and I go, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that, there's no other high. You there know? is no. There's yeah. not. Or there's uh. no other when you pull it and you go, oh no! You're right. There's no, <laughs> there's no, um, you know, there's no comparing it to the depths of like pain you right. feel too. It's interesting, but yeah, if it stopped doing that, then I would know it's time to move on. I think. How yeah. is the uh, how's the film holding up? Like, is it still working properly? The film that oh, yeah. you have. Yeah, so it, it you can't freeze it. You have to refrigerate it. Mm-hmm. But I remember I had like I lived in this one little house um, in South Austin for eight years, and I had this sheet of Polaroid up on the top of the fridge, you know, and and I'm not a huge air conditioning person, so I would have like heat on. I mean, it sat there for years, and I thought, oh, I'm going to see what this does. Yeah, yeah. So as long as it's refrigerated, I, I notice the processing time that that I allow the chemistry to process the negative maybe is shorter now. Uh, but other than that, if I keep it in the fridge, it seems to be okay. Seems to be fine. Um, cool. But I did pull that one off the top of my fridge. It was crusty and kind of ran it. <laughs> I took a picture of like some dead flower I had on my on my floor and it ended up being this. You know, I didn't want to photograph something that I was like super invested in with it. Yeah. I just want to see. Yeah. And it right. did this crazy stuff that I didn't, could not have anticipated, but it was still cool to me. So it was kind of crusty and peeling, but I just huh. thought it was, it still um, made an image on it. So. Yeah. With 55, I don't know if you've noticed, like, it's the temperature outside, like, Mm -hmm. your ambient temperature that will mess with it the most. So if it's too hot, you'll lose your emulsion. 
which has happened to me. Like it just dripped off the, the plastic. <gasps> oh yeah. Oh, and geez. then if it's too cold, it'll almost like, a, I see a lot of people pulling 55 and they don't know what's happening. And, and the sides start to peel off into the image. And oh, it's yeah, usually yeah. temperature. It's usually really? too cold. Okay. Yeah. So what's the sweet spot? Like 75 degrees? Well, 68 or? to 72, but yeah. I pushed it either way. But I was in Texas or in Illinois, so I would get the extreme heat. And I remember I rubbed my finger on just the emulsion side while it was in the fix or it was in the sodium sulfite. And it was so hot here that the emulsion came off of my finger. Wow. Oh, my God. It was devastating because it was a uh, good image. Uh, and then in Illinois, I shot in like 13 degree weather. And that's when it would just the emulsion wouldn't even it would like peel off more like it wouldn't melt off, but it would just peel off. I don't yeah. know. I could probably oh, really? show you guys an example. Yeah. It's just such a, I've, I, okay. So this is, this is kind of weird. I don't know if you realize this, but uh, you used to work at Photographic Systems Unlimited when you were in Nashville. Yes. And yes. I used to go in there all the time. And <laughs> we, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I'm, I, it's, you know, I'm bad with faces and names and all that stuff too. Uh -huh. I mean, I, but um, it, it was funny. I talked to you. And you were just in like, I forget if you were in like the Nashville scene magazine or what it was, but I remember your yeah. images oh. or no, it was like the Nashville art Nashville magazine. Nashville arts. Yeah, yeah. They were good to me there. And yeah. it was, it was awesome. And, and I was just getting into large format when oh, so I ran cool. and we talked, we talked for like, I don't know, like an hour or something. Like we just stood there and talked they about it. They would get and mad at me because I dork out with people. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's exactly <laughs> what you said too. You're like, <laughs> you're like, I need to get back to work. Cause they're getting that. They're looking. And it was just yeah. funny. Cause I, I remember that. And, uh, at the same time, so it's cool. just, it's so funny how these things happen. Like I'm talking to you about this film and then like so a cool. week later, my, uh, there's this, the guy who owns the building I work at, I work at a restaurant and, uh, uh -huh. the owner of the building is an old like wedding photographer and, you know, d just as a photographer and he's in his like eighties yeah. or nineties, he's super old. And he came rolling in with two boxes of type 55 film. And this is like right yeah. after awesome. I talked to you about it. And, yeah. um, the boxes worked great and I was completely obsessed and I didn't know what I had when I had it. So I, of course I'm yeah. taking pictures of oh, like no. stuff that yeah. I didn't even, you know, you know how it goes. You're just excited <laughs> and you're like oh, taking pictures of the cat and all kinds of stuff with it to, to, to try it. And then I realized I was like, oh, wait, I was like, I just remember because you told me that story that you maxed out your credit card and you have a fridge yeah. full of it. And I was like, it didn't click until I was like looking uh, on eBay and it's like, oh, what? Three hundred dollars for a yeah, box. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And damn, it, I, I've gotten a couple boxes since then and I haven't had any luck. I haven't had any working. The, the pods are yeah. completely dried up on the inside. Like they're just they haven't oh, been no, stored so properly. Wherever you got them weren't stored. Yeah. 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 And it, it's Yay. just funny how Timothy, it, you should you should like frame those, even though like <laughs> it was just your cat, like put them up on the wall. Because oh, no, I, I have. <laughs> yeah, they're in they're in like a special spot because some of them were so weird because yeah. I, I think it was in the summertime and there was just these weird speckles all over everything like these. It looked like little brown speckles all over it. And oh, yeah. So I would get some. Some that was, um, I don't think it was stored properly or it wasn't even that old, but I would get like these weird white air bubbles yeah, on the emulsion. Yeah. Those hurt my heart because it would ruin the whole image. It would be <laughs> right. like, it almost looked like mold, but it wasn't. It was like these air bubbles in it. Yep. I cannot say why they, the, I think that those were mistakes in the batches. Yeah. I don't even think they uh, were that old because I, I had it happening in graduate school when they were still being produced. So I don't think that when Polaroid made those, they necessarily thought you would keep the negative. 
I remember some people would throw it out and I'm like, you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the, if the, you guys probably know, like the, if the uh, positive is, is hot, you've got a really good negative. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. So you always positive, want it, yeah. You want it to be overexposed a little. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So some people would just, um, expose for the positive throughout the negative, which I, I, I was like, no, no, no. You know, I get the gist, you know. Yeah. Man, the negatives are just so cool, though. I mean, with the little, the little like brock, like sprocket holes on the bottom. And they're just, it's such a cool look. I mean, it's, it's. I know. You know what drives me nuts? When Dateline (laughs) or one of those 48 hour shows likes to use the. The uh-huh. little borders oh, of yeah. Polaroid Type 55 to like mm-hmm. frame a murder or something. I'm like, yeah. stop that. That's like beautiful film. It's not evil. <laughs> Man, that's so funny. No wonder why kids think it's creepy all the time. Yeah, really. Right? But you know, when I was teaching photography at the art institutes and like people, would, those students would ask me about film a lot and they didn't offer film there. And I would, they would ask me what my borders were, and I would tell them it was sort of like, particularly as you move up in format, it's almost like photographers' way of talking to each other, like, "Hey, here I'm shooting a Hasselblad. It's the two notches." Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or you know, like uh, Dan Winters is one of my all-time favorite photographers, and he shoots so much chrome, large format. But he, so he scans them in. I remember I worked at Holland Photo when I first moved to Austin, and we developed some of his chromes, and we were just like, "Oh my God, Dan Winters!" Oh. And, but, <laughs> If you look in like he shoots for Texas Monthly a lot or whatever, if you look on his website, you can see the borders of all of his images and you can see when he's shooting Chrome because he shows that. And I feel like that's like almost props to each other or like an expression like, hey, Mm. look what I did large format. And you can read the kind of film I'm using. Mm -hmm. You can see the notches. And so I tried to explain that like when there's a few reasons for printing or showing your work full frame. Because again, back to like the, the teachers I had, my, my all time favorite photo teacher, David Gilmore, he always said, cropping is for farmers. You do everything <laughs> in camera. And then, and then what if we so brought, good. yeah, he said everything in camera and print full frame. So I know exactly what you were thinking when you were in the field. So I kind of, that was just integral in terms of like cropping, you know, don't, don't do anything as an afterthought, do it all in camera, right. print it full frame. And if you mess up, you go reshoot, you know? Yeah. And so. Mm-hmm. When I was started doing 55, it was a cool border because every border is like a monoprint almost. Like every little, mm-hmm. um, the notches are the same, but the chemistry around it changes. Yeah. But it was also a way of saying to people, look at the kind of film I'm using, look at the kind of camera I'm using, you know, but mostly to other photographers. But right. for me, it was like all important because I was, I didn't realize it would get lost. So as digital came along, people wouldn't realize I was printing full frame and that what I was doing is in camera. But I think to those of us that still love film and and shoot large format that we go, oh, they shot that, you know, it's kind of just a little inside communication. And now there's like apps for that. I know. know? (laughs) I had someone write me and be like, where'd you buy your borders? I was like, buy my borders. (laughs) (laughs) Buy your borders. What a world we live in. Yeah, I know. So I want to pick your brain. I don't know if you're okay with sharing like what your process is like. I know you mentioned storyboarding a little bit, Uh but could you kind of go more in depth and like start to finish? Yeah, I mean, um, 
For me, let's see, I usually, it starts like if something catches my eye, I try, I try to be really open to seeing. And, but it is like, it's a, it's almost like exercise. If you don't stretch it, you'll tighten yeah. up, you, you won't be loose, you won't be open. And so I have to admit the past year, I haven't made a large format photograph in a year. Wow. And I notice that I'm starting not to see as uh, much. And I'm uh. a little, honestly, it scares me. And I'm not sure if it's just where I'm at in my life right now or if, I don't know if I'm overwhelmed by people calling themselves, and I'm not trying to be a snob, but people calling themselves photographers who don't mm -hmm. understand that running a filter over a, an image you made on your phone is not the same as right. learning your craft and learning and understanding not how the how you ran a filter, but why that filter looks the way it does because yeah. it's mimicking a large, you know, um, an, an aperture that's wide open and it's mimicking a wet plate or it's you know it's like unless you can tell me why you did it, how you did it, I just don't you know, and I just right. feel like um, that I got really. I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. I think um, no, that's okay. But I went. I think I got really tired of trying to explain the level of difficulty in the image making that I'm doing and, and, and people just see, being so inundated with imagery all the time that's been over manipulated right. that, uh, I got tired of like having to try to explain the difference. And I'm not trying to put down digital. I think it's a great tool, but I did used to say to him, I still say this, that if you're not careful, digital Photoshop, um, cameras that think for you, your phone is, to photography what auto-tune is to music can yeah. you really sing or are you running a filter right. you know and i'm gonna respect someone that takes the time out to learn music and learn how to play notes and learn how to how whatever and i'm also gonna respect someone that understands the level of difficulty in terms of image making when you're doing it in camera on film and you don't have that instant gratification and nothing is an afterthought you're in the moment you know and mm -hmm. and yes the material is expensive and that makes it even more worthwhile you know it's like nothing that is worthwhile is ever usually easy so mm. if it's really easy you might so ask true. yourself are you learning as much as you can about your field or your craft and are you a craft or are you uh, sort of just visiting this this medium and but I, I think that I don't know I mean I know I'm kind of a, an emotional I'm less of a tech head and more interested in like what the camera can do to express what I'm what my life is about what I've been through so I'm always wondering am I just did I move past photography and then something else will come along or is it like is it like almost like a lover where you just need some time apart yeah and yeah it, yeah and then we'll meet back up because I know I'll always love it you know yeah. so I don't know I forget what you asked me though that's okay I I was just asking about the the process but I think oh well because the process yeah um the film is it is finite now and it is um so expensive and um so it makes me a lot more careful going into the when I photograph. Uh, so I try really hard not, if I know, I can see that, that I am absolutely not going to be happy through the green, the ground glass and I'm not going to go forward. But if I'm unsure at all, I'll let myself use that film because yeah. it might really surprise me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'll go ahead and do it because if I tell myself, oh my God, if you make one mistake, you know, there's one less piece of film you have, I would never let myself explore or grow or anything like that. So I, yeah. I can't, yeah. So yeah. I would just be be like, okay, ah, 
<laughs> There's been times where I'm like, um, like it gets caught halfway through the mm. the holder or something like that. And I'm like, that is such a shame because that was just for no reason. But if I right. pull it and I'm not happy with it, at least it was part of the learning that's a, process within that's that. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Because I would just beat myself up every time. You can't because you won't grow. Or I wouldn't grow. Right. I wouldn't take risks. And then if you stop taking risks in whatever creative endeavor you're doing i think that it, that is like the slow death of it because then you're so just true. making the same photograph over and over you know right. what you're uh -huh. doing man i get stuck in that all the time yeah i do too mm -hmm. like this is easy because i've done essentially the same composition or or i've talked about this emotional issue i mean i've, I've made an image about it i need to explore something else and so i don't know i think photography and like inner um being sort of aware of yourself as you move through life and you're you're changing and you're you're sort of introspection my introspection and my um pushing myself in the medium i think go hand in hand because say i'm say i'm um i'm cool with experimenting tech you know with technique but i'm not like pushing myself in that emotional narrative then you know i'm stagnant in one area so if i can push myself to express myself either you know be more vulnerable in terms of what i'm talking about emotionally or experience wise then um then i'm going to push myself with the medium too does that make sense yeah mm -hmm. yeah so they push each other and that's why i'm really sort of self curious lately why i'm not making images does that mean so are that, you not making images at all? Or? No, not even. A, well, I mean, of my cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've had a really weird year. And I think I'm full on in my midlife crisis now. Because I'm like, do I, like, what is the purpose of me making this anymore? And I know that's kind of heavy. It's okay. You need to, but like, yeah. when you when, when I first messaged you, you, when you said, like, I think this is what I need right now. Yeah, that's I what like, I meant. This is cathartic. We'll talk. Yeah. You know, we like we, me and Timothy, we love to. That's part of why we do the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And not to sound too like Austin hippie, but I was like, you know, oh, maybe this is being sent to me right now to get me back, get my blood, you know, excited. Any way we could help, Polly, yeah. we're here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's what I needed. Because, like, honestly, this morning I was like, oh, I don't even care if I talk about photography, but right now I'm excited. So it's not yeah. true. Yeah. Good. Good. So I'm so really true. glad you guys asked me. Yeah. I'm I'm so glad that we have this podcast cuz I mean we've talked about it before on the show. It's just, you know, if we take a couple weeks off, if it's like Easter vacation or something and we're just uh -huh. taking our break right before we get back into the groove, I can definitely feel the toll it takes on me going yeah. out and shooting because it you got to talk about it. You know, you got to like yeah. let it out and get hungry for it again. I mean, it happens to me all the time. I just I feel like I just pulled out of a, a funk like that where I wasn't, Yeah. I couldn't even tell you the last time I finished a roll of film and now right? I have a yeah. desk full of it ready to be developed and, you know, I'm like hungry for it again. So I think that's a part of it. I'm really excited you guys asked me to be a part of this because I really believe there's enough room in the world for all of us creative people and I'm all mm -hmm. about camaraderie. So it's Same. really fun to talk to two other photographers that love it, you know, <laughs> as much as I do. And I think this is the kind of thing that sometimes creative people get fearful of admitting. Like, I have photo yeah. block. I straight up have photo block. I was going to say, like, writers get writer's yeah. block and they have to deal with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I kind of don't want to perpetuate that fear. And I, and I know I probably sound like, you know, I'm moody. I am moody, but like, um, <laughs> I think that being honest about where you're at, there's no shame in it. At least it takes it away. Like, you know, um, I, I don't know when I'll get back to it. I know I've been dreaming about it more. Oh, and that's I noticed, a sign. Yeah. And I've um, noticed that I am realizing, like like I said, that, that seeing is sort of like stretching before a run. And if you let those muscles atrophy, the creative muscles atrophy, 
then then yeah, you'll be out of shape when it comes time to um, making a, a maybe a really strong image. So I've been um, this is gonna sound weird, but like my inner dialogue lately is notice things again because I think yeah. that whatever I've been going through. I have not been paying attention because you, you know it's out there. It's all. I know. Not. I don't mean to sound cheesy, but it's everywhere. Right. You yeah. can find a photograph anywhere you look. You know. And so um, I just have been choosing for whatever emotional reason not to see. So I am excited that I have been pushing myself just to. I don't even pull my phone out or anything. I just notice the light, or I notice the way the shadow. I mean, plays. even that. Yeah. Even yeah. that is like. Yeah, You're I feel in like tune I'm, or aware of it, you know. Yeah, like maybe it's that's my my yoga for right now in terms <laughs> of my visual yoga, and I'll I'll get better, you know. So, but I I'm really excited to talk to you guys because I can tell I still love photography. I still Great. I love it. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> and also like it's good to say like we all go through ruts, and yeah. like when you're oh, in it, 100%. you're like I can't see the end of it, or I can't like mm-hmm. what is wrong, and to hear like this is how long it's been, you know, and here I am in it. It's like it makes everybody else who's going through the same thing like, oh, okay, like I'm not the only one yeah. who's stuck right now, you know? Exactly. So I think that's great. And know how it's much important. we all, like, I think the creative collaborators are rooting for each other. Like, yes. you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. We want to see it. We want to see more. So, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That's how I feel. So, I, I have to ask you about you were kind of like a, a tester for the new 55, weren't you? Didn't you? I was. Didn't they? Yeah. 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 yeah Man, I was so- hoping they would make it. Well, I feel like I don't understand where uh, Famous Format, I don't know if you've heard of them. They, uh-uh. It's a website online and they've been selling, they have 100 speed type 55 and 400 speed type 55 and they've just mm. been selling what? it. Yeah. I they have, there, there I have a box no right here. Oh, new 55. I new said, 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know where they're getting that. But I mean, a 400 speed. I didn't even know they came out with that when they were doing it. I knew uh, they had the I, 100. I hesitate to like, well, yeah. Oh, so I didn't realize either. I was in on testing it, but I remember getting a box and I didn't, I guess I don't feel like, like the communication was all that. I don't know how to say that. Like, I didn't realize that I had one box that was 100 and one box that was 400. Uh, and I think okay. I shut the 400 at 100. Mm. Yeah. And so I felt like the, the actually the like packaging and the, that stuff wasn't communicating to the photographer. Or, I don't know. I missed it too. And I didn't realize that. And I don't really know why, like I wasn't necessarily an official tester or if I was, it wasn't in writing or anything. Yeah, yeah. So, so the communication wasn't always like flowing between me and them. I was happy to try it, and I wrote them like the, if the clip came off and you know um, and all that. And and I I actually was so I was rooting for them. So I kept just like saying, "Hey, do you want to use my image? Because please do. I'll do anything to help you guys." You know. Yeah, so yeah. It was um, a collaboration again too. But I really don't know what happened at the end, just because they never. I'm sure they was you know, private. I don't know. They didn't tell me. Right. And the next thing I knew it was gone. But yeah, they had switched from 100 to 400. I didn't feel like it was marked all that well. Mm. I don't I know. I just didn't know if you had any inside scoop of if they're still doing it. Or yeah, if, right. If, it's, if they're <laughs> so like... <laughs> I, no, and, I, and again, like I've sort of dropped out of photography for this past year. And I don't know how I feel about that yet. But no, what from what I understand, and I can't remember where I read this, but I... 
feel like I Googled it then afterwards that they're not making it anymore. Okay. So you might just be buying surplus or I don't know. Yeah, I'm, that's that's what I thought. I thought it was just going to be like, you know, old stock that this company got their hands on or something. Yeah, it's a shame because they were really good, a good set of guys and they were trying really hard. Yeah, yeah they were. Yeah, I was all for it. Well, yeah, I just wanted to sneak that in there quick and see yeah. if you had any, no, had any dirty dough. <laughs> Buy it up while you can. It's pretty cool. It's a, I, do you find it's very different than Polaroid 55? Yes, though? it is. Yeah. It is It is different. It was harder to predict, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like it and felt I, like I each know batch did something different. The print and the negative are a lot different than... You know, yeah, regular. you know what? Type 55, the, the, the plastic, you know, that the silver gelatin mm-hmm. sitting on is actually so much thinner. And the so, like, when I scanned it, I wouldn't get Newton rings. Um, oh, okay. But with the new 55, they were basically using like the same base, um, Ilford, that thick, thick plastic. Yeah. I don't know if that had to do with like how the holders pulled it. Um, or if their emulsion just wasn't spread as evenly, but I would get a lot more. I would know going into, like, I would shoot one frame on Polaroid 55 and then um, reshoot again on mm-hmm. new 55 to see the difference. Did that for a little while. And um, the new 55, like, I'm I'm so particular about the very edge of my frame, too. Like, um, it didn't, you know, go as far to the edge of the... Far, yeah, yeah. That yeah. I did notice. It's a shorter image. And I saw so yeah. I would lose my image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then around the edges, you really couldn't predict what the chemistry was going to do. So you had to be okay with losing your edges. Yeah. So it was sort of a different hat, you know, like a mindset. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I've never shot it, so unfortunately. It's kind of finicky. <laughs> I still have yeah. some. I'm sure I'll use it. Yeah. I point to my fridge. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back with the listener question for Polly right after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to PolaroidOriginals.com and use the offer code ANALOGTALK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. All right, guys. So this is a part of the show where we take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Jody Farms. And he asks, Polly, how long do some of these scenes stay in your head before you can recreate them on four by five? Also, that images of the seagulls is straight up bonkers. Exclamation, exclamation. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) First of all, thank you, because I am really proud of that seagull picture. Yeah, that's great. It's one of my faves. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like I was kind of mentioning earlier with I think the public and people that don't know photography very well, particularly film photography, would think that that was all like maybe possibly, um, you know, a 35 millimeter camera, which I only say that because it's easier to take uh, uh, pictures of things moving. Oh, yeah. yeah. With a four by five, you are not looking through the lens when you Mm -mm. you pop the shutter and uh, you guys know. So um, I think some people think it's either photoshopped or I've just added a, you know, a border around it. But no, that was... That was taken in Port Aransas on the beach, and my boyfriend at the time was throwing up breadcrumbs for the seagulls, and they would kind of like float on the wind in front oh, of me a little. Wow. And there was cool. this, yeah, and I, I'm I am proud of that because it was hard, but it only took me five. It only took me five sheets. So by the fifth sheet, I knew that like I kind of crouched down behind the the film was in the camera, and I was behind the where I thought the like trajectory of the lens would go behind the camera. And I noticed that a se- I needed the seagull to be about in front of this one particular cloud in the sky because it was not <laughs> a windy day. Yeah, and yeah. it was very sunny out and I popped a flash on it so I could have a, um, you know, a, a fast shutter speed yeah. so that the ambient light would be darker than the, uh, you know, the flash. And so I popped it 
he threw the breadcrumb up, I popped it, and then I pulled it. I was like, we got it! We got yes. it! It was so exciting. <laughs> so thank you, Jody, for noticing that. I love that image. Um, uh, and then as far as the first part of the question, oh my gosh, sometimes locations or an idea will still haunt me. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I want, like, so when I started sketching, and I have, like, I, there's a project that I have, I'm probably still working on, I don't know, it's the, you build it up, you wreck it down, where I yep, yep. make images inspired by um, particular lyrics of Tom Waits songs, and um, and try to, like, if I've gone through, if, he, if his lyrics or his music touches on something I think I can relate to, I mean, I just think he has a way with, with metaphors and words that um, cut right to it in this most bu- beautiful and poetic way. Mm. So I was watched this uh, special on TED, a TED Talk, and it was um, the woman that wrote Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert, and she okay. did um, a, one of my favorite TED Talks about the creative process and and writing, and but not just writers, musicians, and any kind of artists, and how you know there's sort of the I think w- when you love a medium. And you, so you guys probably get this when you're in your car and you're driving and you look over and you see a flipping photograph like that, you know, would be so beautiful and you're driving. There's almost a, like a bit of a heartbreak when you watch it, <laughs> yeah. watch your, watch it pass by you, you know, uh-huh. and, and you're like, oh, I didn't get out and capture that. You yep. know? And this TED talk I watched, she talks a lot about like, um, she quotes Tom Waits in it as like. He was in his car one time, she says, and he was driving over a bridge and he heard this beautiful melody, you know, in his mind. And he's, you know, he's got this anxiety about it. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I need to I need to write it down immediately. But he didn't have a pen and a paper and he's driving. And so he says to this beautiful melody, can't you see I'm driving right now? <laughs> and if you really want to exist, come back at a more opportune time otherwise go bother leonard cohen you know and it <laughs> was so like funny. tom waits had this <laughs> moment of realizing i can either enjoy this beautiful thing that came in my head and like let it go or i can freak out and have the anxiety and this like you know kind of make my own life horrible moment um and I, it started to sort of change the way i thought about my locations and photographs or spaces i would see as i traveled by them but I remember there was this one like location and I was driving home from work and it was like along downtown Austin someplace. And, you know, it was right when development started to really kick in. And I don't know, it was just this little weird, like, um, intersection of nature and, and, you know, urban landscape. And I was like, Oh, I need to really get someone there. I need to think about who I would photograph there and what the narrative would be around it. Drove by it, drove by it, drove by it. They tore it down. So like uh, things like that, I didn't, yeah, I shouldn't have enjoyed the moment to, so long. Yeah. I should have. So there are some locations that still haunt me and I think, oh, I just know that I would have made something from that. But then there's sometimes where I'll, I try real hard to notice that potential image and then think to myself, well, maybe someone else will grab it, you know, mm. or maybe it's just meant for me to imagine it right now. So try not to freak out anymore. I used to have that panic feeling of I've got to go get it. And then I would yep. force that creative moment too. So there's some sort of like balance in an intersection of going, okay, like I know that I need to take advantage of this beautiful whatever I'm looking at and my creative. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.